the four theological virtues that are associated with, with Advent historically in the Christian church. Hope. Last week we, we looked at hope. This week is peace. Next week is joy. And the final week is love. And, and each week we're going to learn from a different apostle on each of these theological virtues. Uh, Peter was last week. Uh, Paul is this week. Next week is James. And then finally John. How fitting John will teach us about love, the beloved disciple. These four virtues cluster together. Uh, They are all gifts of the Holy Spirit for the church. Sorry about that. Uh, Peace and hope and joy and love are like four messengers that that tell of the the coming kingdom. So when you begin to see uh, hope and peace and joy and love, you know that the kingdom of God is near because they're all realities that come from the kingdom of God. Even though they cluster together, each week we're going to isolate one and look at it and turn it around like a diamond and see how it might impact our life. But but they're interconnected. This week we're going to be in Romans 5 and we're going to learn about peace from St. Paul. Uh, And St. Paul was a man who, who really sought to have peace in his life for a long time, and it drove him crazy. And then he met Jesus, and he became a very peaceful man. He was still very intense, uh, (laughs) but he was peaceful. And he's got something to teach us about peace. All of us, like St. Paul, want peace. And as I thought about that this week and talked with some of you, I think that having peace is closely related with having control. Right? Having peace and having control are hardwired together. Uh, We are more likely to experience peace in our souls and in our world when things are under control. So so what would you like to most have under control? Uh, What would you most like to have influence and mastery? Would you like to have more control over yourself? That's hard. Your habits, your emotions... Or maybe people you care about, you want to control them, maybe you want them to do, you want influence in their life, or maybe circumstances around you, your world, your work. I'll tell you what, I'll just be honest with you to this Sunday, I would like to have more control over my kids' lives. I really would. You would think that as the father, I would have more of it, but I, I'm, I'm realizing I, I, this, there's something specific about my kids' life that I would really like more control over, and it is the ratio of inside screen time to outside play time. That ratio. When my kids are playing outside and not watching lots of TV, um, I feel peace. I do. I feel more peace when that ratio is the the top number is higher than the lower number. Um, And Saturdays are my day of control. It's my day to get peace in my heart by influencing that ratio. When, when my oldest son, Gus, was two, um, we lived in Northern Virginia, and I took him to the local playground. We ran, we climbed, we swang on the swings, and we played. And on our way back home, Gus said to me something that brought peace to my heart, and it was, Dad, I'm tired, and I'm hungry. And I was like, yes. 
That means you're going to actually eat your lunch, and you're actually going to take your nap, and then you're going to grow up with these memories and experiences of playing outside, and you're going to be a healthier individual. <laughs> it's just like, ah, everything's going to be okay. What makes you exhale like that? You ever have a moment in your week where you're like, yes. It's all going to be okay. It's the exhale of peace. Maybe it's, you know, you want to finish the semester, right? You want to finish the semester and get the grades that you want. Your papers and tests are done and you passed. Or maybe it's closing the deal, closing the big deal, ending the sales quarters with the right numbers. Or maybe it's... it's, it's uh, the moment where you exhale, where you're like, yes, is where you step on the scale. And the number is the right number. It's the number you've been working for, the number you've been aiming for. Or maybe it's something related to the holidays. There's lots of in intensity and expectations of peace, but there's also there's a lot of parties that are being thrown, things getting organized, families to gather together. Maybe it's like when the family's all together, the guests are all together, and they're all happy in your home. You're like, yes, I've got everything under control, and I finally have peace. Um, when I exhaled, I had this beautiful feeling that I was doing my part. It wasn't just that things were going well. It was like I have contributed something valuable to the world, and now things are going better. You ever feel like that? Things are going well in no small part to my contribution. <laughs> I'm on my game as a dad. My son is tired. So... John Calvin has a phrase for this feeling. He calls it the intoxicating security of the flesh. The intoxicating security of the flesh. It's a buzz that is much like the buzz you get when you're flooded with chemicals. I'm in control, things are going to be okay. And I'm a good person. Thanks to me, there's nothing to worry about. Thanks to me. Thank you very much. The intoxicating security of the flesh. You know what? I found as a dad that the intoxicating security of the flesh gives way to a very nasty hangover. Fast forward seven years to this past Thanksgiving weekend. I have more children now which means that the ratio of outside playtime to inside screen time is much more difficult to manage. Um, so I decided that this past Thanksgiving I would get them really pumped up about the family football game in the, in the backyard of my in-law's house for Thanksgiving. Um, we talked about it, it was warm and kind of nice here in Chicagoland and I was so excited and we were going to get outside playtime because it was like thanks, you know, Thanksgiving, they have time off school. Time off school means that they're lobbying for more screen time, which means they usually get it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so we go out to my in-law's house, and it rains all day long. No problem. We're going to wait the rain out, and I'm in control. I'm going to do something about it, and so we're going to play in the driveway. <laughs> So we got in the driveway, you know, we're having a great time, we're throwing the football around, and I'm serious, five minutes into it, I throw out my lower back. I was like, this is... And so I'm inside, I'm laid out, I go inside, my kids go inside, the TV comes on. So 
Okay, fine. You know what? I'm not giving up. Saturday rolls around, and after three days of no school and lots of screen time, I'm like, Saturday, I'm like, we're going to keep trying. <laughs> and so I, I go to the area where we keep all of our sports equipment, and the football's not there, and the soccer ball's not there, because we left it at the in-law's house, I thought, so I thought, and so I picked up another one of, of, of our equipment, this ball, and it was flat. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to pump it up because we're going to go outside because if I have a ball outside, they're more likely to run around and have fun. <laughs> and so I pump it up. I'm like, get the needle out and pump it up, pump it up, pump it up. It's full. And then there's a big old hole in the ball. So, you know, that's okay because I have patches for these things. I have patches. That you get out the patch and pull out the patch and put the patch on. It's not sticking. Oh, that's right because I have to glue it on. And so I get the patch glue and I'm squeezing it, and there's no glue coming out. And then I look on the packaging of the glue, and it says, self-vaporizing glue. The glue did what it said it would do. <laughs> and there was no glue left, and there was no control left, and I became the grouchiest dad that you've ever experienced in your life because I lost control. It was a nasty, nasty hangover after the security of the flesh. Don't we do this all the time? We, we seek control and mastery over situations so we can feel the sense of, of deep peace. That feeling of peace is so good, it's addicting. The exhale, all is well, and no small part to my contribution. And then our contribution becomes our undoing. It becomes the anti-peace. You know what the problem was? I was trying to be my own prince of peace. You ever try to do this? You ever try to be your own prince of peace? Do you ever try to be your own princess of peace? It backfires. We, we, we think to ourselves, if only I can exercise more control here, I'll feel the deep peace I want so bad, badly, and I'm in charge of that. During Advent, as the people of God, we are called, as the people of God, to shift from being our own Prince of Peace to waiting expectantly for the true Prince of Peace. And peace is a person. Peace is a person named Jesus Christ. If we could go from having control to having confidence in the true Prince of Peace, we would know peace. That is our challenge this morning. Because the truth is that we cannot stop trying to control situations without abandoning ourselves and abandoning the outcomes we most care about and we most want to contribute to, to the true Prince of Peace and see what he will do with them. That's where the transformation comes from, and that's our call this morning. It's our challenge this morning. So this morning, our challenge is to begin to grow in the confidence in the Prince of Peace. And as we do, our compulsive instincts will shrink. Our controlling instincts will shrink. As our communion with the Prince of Peace grows, we will find that we can engage the same people, the same situations, the same challenges, having already been filled up to overflowing with the peace of God through Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? 
I mean, can you imagine facing the same situations that you have in your life, but instead of trying to get peace from them, you're actually bringing peace to them, regardless of outcomes. This is what the Prince of Peace offers, and this is what it means to be trained in, trained in righteousness as the people of God this Advent. So I encourage you to turn with me to Romans 5 as we face this challenge together and learn about the Prince of Peace. Verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we're in Christ, we no longer are justified by having control over the situations that we think and feel are most important. We no longer have peace when we're in Jesus Christ from controlling external circumstances, controlling people, even controlling ourselves. That's no longer where we... We no longer get the buzz of, I'm making a really awesome contribution, and I'm in control. We're not justified by that. We're justified by faith. And the Lord Jesus is responsible for our peace. And that takes a huge weight off of our shoulders. He grants us peace with God, who is the creator and the ruler of the universe and the judge of all men and women. It is a peace so deep, we could call it shalom. We could call it shalom, Alice, which is a deep Old Testament (laughs) concept of a peace that's so deep, it's not just that you don't have painful anxiety anymore. It's, it's that you have this overwhelming goodness flowing in every relationship you have. It's the peace that God promised Israel, and it's the peace that Jesus Christ offers. We're at, we're at peace not only with ourselves, but with others and the world. Verse 2, through him, through the Prince of Peace, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hey, you know what? When I'm responsible to secure my own peace for myself through my own strategies and efforts, I'm on really shaky ground. Sometimes my strategies for peace will work, like the Saturday in 2008 when my Gus says, Daddy, I'm tired. And sometimes... My efforts will self-vaporize, like the glue. And I'll have a nasty hangover. What's what's St. Paul saying here in verse 2? He's saying in the midst of trials and in the midst of pressures of this life, the Prince of Peace gives you the grace to stand and, and to stand securely. Don't you want to stand securely? We might have zero control over the circumstances that matter most to us. Zero control. Zero control. But we can have, we can have 100% peace, overflowing, because it's, it's given to us by the Prince of Peace. And in fact, we're not even just standing. We're rejoicing, Paul says. Can you imagine rejoicing when your worst-case scenario is playing itself out before your very eyes? Um, you and I face situations that do bring us anxiety. Let's just be honest about that. Um, And we're strongly tempted to control those situations to get the outcomes we want. This is the way of the flesh. 
Controlling situations requires that we become our own princess of peace or our own prince of peace. And St. Paul is offering a different path here. On this path, there's less control, but deeper peace. It's a path that Jesus has, he's already cleared the path for us by his grace. He gave his life to clear this path. And then he invites us to just walk in it. Um, On this path, we learn to trust the Prince of Peace with with all the situations we most want to control. And this morning, we're going to learn about walking this path that Paul describes here in verse 2. Just think of the thing that you'd like control over. Your love life, your emotions, your boss, your children. What is it? What's the ratio that, that, that you care about? And let's track and see what the Prince of Peace does when it absolutely doesn't work out. I just imagine completely letting go of that ratio for a minute. What if not only were you not in charge of it, but it went disastrously wrong and your worst dreams came true? I want you to just hold that vision in your mind as we walk slowly through these next few verses. Let's consider what the Prince of Peace can do if your worst case scenario played itself out. Verse 3, we rejoice in our sufferings. Yeah, that's what we're afraid of. We're afraid of suffering. We're afraid of people we care about suffering, which would make us suffer on an even deeper psychological level. Let's say it happened. Let's say it happened. What does Paul say? We can rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Suffering producing endurance, this is a training metaphor. If we begin to walk the path of trusting the Prince of Peace, he will use the worst case scenarios and disasters of our life to give us greater endurance. And endurance is the extended capacity to deal with challenges. Sometimes the Prince of Peace will just decide to give you more capacity to face hardship with hope and with courage. Wouldn't you like that strength? As you think about what your life means and, and, and the kind of person you're becoming, don't you want to be kind of the kind of person who has greater capacity to endure more chaos, more challenges, more hardships? Wouldn't you like the grit inside of you to grow? Not out of a sense of overcoming, but out of a sense of becoming the person that you were created to be. He goes further. It's almost as if the path is going, is sinking deeper and deeper. Verse 4, endurance produces character. Well, as we become stronger, the Prince of Peace changes the foundations of our character. He doesn't just give us a greater capacity to handle challenges and suffering and endure. As we endure, we become the type of people who can, who can handle eternity. And make no mistake, becoming the type of people who can handle eternity will require that our souls will grow and our character will change. This is what he's planning. This is what he's doing. He's giving us endurance, yes, for this life, and he's changing our character deep within. Listen, imagine becoming, think of your trial, imagine becoming the type of person the quality of person who can rejoice in Christ even when you're mistreated. Even when your worst case scenarios come true. Can you imagine yourself rejoicing in the kingship of Jesus when things are going horribly wrong? That's that's something that we train for under the Prince of Peace. We can trust him with our worst case scenarios and sometimes he'll take care of them. 
and then sometimes he'll lead us through them. Rather than, as I said before, siphoning peace off of external circumstances, if we become the type of people who can rejoice in Jesus in our trials, there will be instead a fountain of peace coming from us that we then bring to situations that we most care about, most want to control, and are most afraid of. And that access to peace becomes so much stronger for us, so much more reliable for us, because suffering produces endurance, and then endurance transforms our character through the Prince of Peace. And let's go one layer deeper. Character, in the second half of verse 4 here, character produces hope. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Character produces hope. Through the Prince of Peace, we become people of hope. And our vision for the future is, rather than shaped by our own small attempts to control reality, our vision for the future is shaped by the wild, amazing, unshakable promises of God. That's what begins to shape our imaginations and our vision for the future. See, as Brett Kroll preached last week, most of the time when we, when we hope, we are put to shame. Have you ever been put to shame because you hoped in something that was like, ah, oh, I thought it would satisfy, it didn't. I thought it would work out, it didn't. I put all my hope in, if only I can control this lever, then everything else will open up for me. Have you ever thought that? If only I control this person, if only I get this person to do X, Y, or Z, or feel X, Y, or Z, if only I could get this circumstance, project, thing completed in the way I wanted to, then I would, then I would, then I would be satisfied and at peace, and then, it, and then it crumbles apart, and we're like, I was so foolish. I feel ashamed. But when the Prince of Peace himself becomes our hope, we are not put to shame because God's love for us has been poured out and it has been poured into our hearts to overflowing by the Holy Spirit. You can, you can be living your worst case scenario and the love of God can be overflowing in your life. When you go on this path, when you follow the Prince of Peace, he takes you deeper and deeper and deeper. He takes you from suffering to endurance. And then you go a layer deeper. You go from endurance to character. And then you go from character to hope. And then hope doesn't put you to shame because you are being baptized in the love of God through the Holy Spirit. You're being washed of your anxieties. You're being cleansed deep within. And you are not just being washed. You're being given a great gift, which is the overflowing peace of God through the Holy Spirit, the overflowing love of God. You can be doused with the love of God, even though your worst-case scenarios are being played out. Do you see the contrast between controlling the situation that, that you care about and, and, and having confidence in the Prince of Peace? When we have control, we have to be our own Prince of Peace, and we become very much unlike God, as we'll see in a minute. When we have confidence in the Prince of Peace, He can take care of the things that we care about, and fix them himself. Or he can turn them into eternal glory, eternal hope, overflowing love. The Prince of Peace can turn our unspeakable problems into unspeakable glory. The things that we can't solve, he will transform. And all of it is a gift. I remember one time I was on a study tour in the UK. 
and there was this mountain in Wales that we were supposed to have, we were just going to have like a leisurely day together. Um, kind of, there was a stairway at the side of the mountain, and we were going to take the stairway up, have a nice picnic at the top of the mountain, and then kind of take the stairway down and be done with our day. And so we began our journey, and we had a really hard time finding the stairway. And so we kept climbing so we could find the stairway. And the further we climbed, the more the incline seemed to change on us until before I knew it, I was literally clinging to the side of the mountain with no climbing gear. And I'm not trained in mountain climbing. I was with all four limbs holding on to the side of the mountain. And I remember feeling some of the deepest fear that I had felt in a long time. Because in some cases, all it would have taken was a slip of the foot and we would have fallen to great injury or worse. I remember thinking, all I want right now is, for, is to be through this situation. All I want right now is to be transported back to Chicago, where it's safe. I wanted the situation... Oh, yeah. Sorry. That didn't happen. It got worse. We had a great lunch at the very top of the mountain, but then on the way down, it was even scarier. As anyone here knows, sometimes climbing down a steep grade is worse than climbing up. And I remember when we finally got to the very end, when I thought I could handle no more physical or mental anguish, the ground was level, and we ran and shouted as loud as we could back to the bed and breakfast. <laughs> that night, I had the best meal I'd ever tasted. That night, we had the best sleep we'd ever had, and something changed actually in our study tour group. There was more kindness and deference to one another. There was more joy in the simplicity of our journey together. Something had been transformed in us that couldn't have happened if our fears and situations were wiped clean and taken away. We were led by a guide. On a journey of great suffering, we felt afraid. And you know what? We weren't in control. We wanted external peace. I wanted external peace. A nice stairway to the top, a pleasant day, no danger. But what I got instead was something far richer, was, which was an internal peace. On a larger scale, and a more fundamental scale, this is the path that the Prince of Peace leads us on. When we leave the path of having control, and we go on the path of having confidence in the Prince of Peace. I want to speak this morning to all those who are discouraged because you feel like you can't go on that path. You're afraid of the path that the Prince of Peace will lead you on. You have tried to go on that path, maybe, and you failed. Maybe you feel like you are utterly incapable of facing the fears that are in front of you, facing the situations that are in front of you. You're overwhelmed, and I want to encourage you today. I want to pass on Paul's encouragement to you because this passage encouraged me the very Saturday where my capacity to control self-vaporized. Let's read in verse 6. For a while we were still weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For a while we were still weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Do you see a connection here between the word weak and the word ungodly? We're incapable of being God, but we've all tried. Haven't you tried to be God before? Did you find that you were unable? You're not alone. 
We were all in that position. We were all weak, unable to be God. We were, we were ungodly because of our weakness. Think about how you get when you have to be God for your own shrunken down version of the universe. Think about it. Think about how you get when you're the Prince of Peace. When you're really trying to control a situation, how do we get? We get manipulative. We get argumentative. We get controlling. We get reactive. We get vindictive. We, we alienate people. We overcompensate. It just exposes how weak we are when we try to be God. But think about God. Think about his nature. Think about what he's like when he rules the universe. Generous, loving, life-giving, humble, sacrificial, washing feet, patient, forgiving his enemies, transforming suffering and evil. At the right time, Christ died. The Prince of Peace, when we were unable to be God and we were definitely trying, the Prince of Peace died. The Prince of Peace died for us while we were still trying to be him. He died for you and for me. When we were still being grouchy and argumentative and controlling and manipulative, the Prince of Peace died at that time. When we were not able to follow on the path of the Prince of Peace, he died because that was the right time to do it. Verse 7, one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Maybe for a good person, you, you dare even to die. You've seen a few great movies about that. William Wallace crying freedom as he dies. So noble, so amazing, so, so sacrificial. But verse 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. End of verse 10. So shall we be saved by his life. This is a great hope. This is a great promise. We were sinners. We, we were enemies. It was actually much worse than our worst case scenario. We were on a cosmic collision course with the true God, with the true Prince of Peace. And he stepped in the collision course and took the blow for us and let his life be sacrificed, let his blood be spilled for us while we were sinners, while we were enemies. In much of the same way that I would like to kill the fly that is vexing me right now. I would like to kill him. See, I'm unable to control the situation, and now, Prince of Peace, you deal with it. Thank you, fly, for only being a pawn in my scheme. Sometimes we really wrestle, don't we, with hearing about God's wrath. I do. How can God be so incredibly loving, overflowing our hearts with the love of the Holy Spirit? And at the same time, there's this idea that we had to be saved from his wrath. Those are hard things to keep together that we fear God and love him at the same time. St. Paul is giving us a window into the great mystery of how actually how deep God's love is for us. Because before, before we could do anything about our lack of holiness in the sight of God, God bled to take care of that problem while we were weak, 
while we were sinners, while we were enemies, he gave his life. Before we could put on the brakes, before we could turn it around, before we could clean up our act, and we always are trying to clean up our act before someone that we fear. You don't have to do that with God because his love is so deep that before you were even born and before you could even realize how much anxiety you had or how much control you've been trying to master, how mean you've been to people, how manipulative you've been or deceptive you've been, before, any of, before you could admit any of that, he was already bleeding on a bloody cross to bring you and reconcile you to God and bring you the deepest shalom you could ever imagine. Not only now, but for eternity. Some of us, it's just time to say yes to the Prince of Peace. And I want to encourage any of you here, you're hearing about the Prince of Peace and you're hearing about the fact that he took away your sin and took away your shame and gives you God's love through the Holy Spirit. Maybe right now it is time for you to say yes to the Prince of Peace. And to say, yes, I, I actually want to. I don't know how, but I want to go from the path of controlling situations to the path of confidence in the Prince of Peace. And I want to encourage you right now, just in the silence of your own heart, to say, Prince of Peace, I want to follow you. Prince of Peace, I say yes to you. And if you said yes to the Prince of Peace, I want to encourage you to take the next step, which is to go to a prayer minister today, or to write on your communication card that you want to follow the Prince of Peace for the first time. One of our leaders will get in touch with you and pray with you this week. We also have an opportunity for those of us who are seeking to follow the Prince of Peace to practice this way together. Later in Paul's teaching in Romans, chapter 8, verse 6, he says, To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You remember the confidence, the intoxicating confidence in the flesh that we're all tempted to? I'm controlling life in no small part to my contribution. Fixating on how we can control situations or fixating on how we're not doing a good job controlling situations will drive us crazy. But fixing our minds on what the Lord brings to us through the Spirit, the peace of the Prince of Peace given to us overflowing to us, regardless of how effective we are in controlling life. St. Paul says, that is life, and that is peace. We can begin to practice the way of the kingdom of God together as a congregation and as disciples of Jesus. Setting the mind on the, on the spirit means to abandon outcomes of the things that we care most about to the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace, I'm feeling anxious. I want to control the ratio of my children's outside time to inside time, and I'm finding that my efforts are self-vaporizing in my very hands. And I need you, who, who gave his life for me and my children, to take this problem for me because I can't control the situation anymore. Maybe we, we, it's time to begin praying that about how things are going at work or how things are going in your family or how things are going in your life or how things are going for your own, in, in the storms of your own soul. Maybe it's time to say, I, I so much want to control this situation, and now the situation is yours, Prince of Peace. Take it on your shoulders and lead me on your way. Lead me from suffering to, to endurance, to character, to hope, to the overflowing fountain of God's love for me and the Holy Spirit. Baptize me in that love, Prince of Peace. 
Take me on any journey you want to because you're in charge now. You're the Prince of Peace now. Sometimes it's a practice. We take a moment here, a moment there, to take a deep breath and cry out to the Prince of Peace to take our anxieties and to take control. Sometimes it's a practice, but sometimes it's a test. The Lord, in His gracious way, will allow tests to pass through His loving hands into your life, and you will be tested. Which path are you on? And sometimes you will find that you are overflowing and you are truly rejoicing in Jesus and in the Prince of Peace. And sometimes you will find that you're not. And it's another opportunity to say, Prince of Peace, I'm not completely following you on your path, so bring me back. He'll always be faithful to answer that prayer because he's the king who loves you. My friends, this is nothing more and nothing less than the gospel. So let us all together leave the path of controlling situations and go on the path of confidence in the Prince of Peace by His grace in which we stand. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.